Welcome back, everybody. It is the Game of Thrones flashcast here on TV, the TV podcast at the Incomparable. Um, it's so exciting that Game of Thrones is finally back on the air and we can talk about the latest season. And no, wait. I've just, just been, kidding. I've just been handed by a ghost a note that says it's not coming back <laughs> until 2019. And nobody would believe a real person handed me a note just then. But a ghost, it's possible. So we instead talked about, watched, and, ta- and are going to talk about right now. Season one, episode one, what, of Game of Thrones? Imagine that it's 2011, winter is coming, but it will be a while yet, as Monty Ashley told me not too long ago. Hi, Monty. Hi, Jason. And for those who are listening now to episode one, having never heard us do a Game of Thrones flashcast before, this is going to be quite a little uh, uh, continuity confusion thing, because (laughs) in a later season, we'll introduce Brian Hamilton, but he's here now. Hi, Brian. Whoa, what? I'm here now? Oh, oh no. We've just ripped a hole in the time frame space continuum. Yeah, indeed. So uh, we had a little conversation about whether we were going to uh, spoil things or whether somebody who's literally never heard of Game of Thrones but is starting from the beginning could listen to this podcast and uh, not be spoiled. And the answer is that we decided that was a dumb idea and that most people (laughs) who will listen to a Game of Thrones podcast where we rewatch season one have probably seen Game of Thrones. So we're going to talk about everything that has happened up through uh, the penultimate season, because as we record this, of course, the final season has not aired those final episodes. But up to that point, uh, we're going to feel that it's fair game. So if you haven't listened or you haven't watched yet, uh, then uh, don't listen to this because we're going to spoil about like everything that happened up until the uh, final season. So you had seven years to get caught up. That's right. So don't listen to this podcast if you're one of those. I don't know how you could miss the Game of Thrones spoilers, but if you finally are like, all right, now I'm going to do it. I've avoided it until now, but now I'm going to listen. Uh, and I'm also going to find a podcast. This is not this podcast is not going to pretend that we don't know what's going to happen. We know everything. We have future vision, as one may say. Yeah, this is for our friends who listen to us, who have listened to us the last few seasons, not know who people are, not remember what happened. Guess what, angry people? We're educating ourselves by going back to the beginning. (laughs) We don't have encyclopedic knowledge. We don't have encyclopedic knowledge, which is why we're going back to the beginning. Yeah. The teachers, and by teachers, I mean iTunes reviewers, have sent us back to school. (laughs) Hey, guys, how's it going? Thanks for reviewing us on iTunes. Winter is coming, is episode one. And... uh, I before I break down by by uh, where things happen because that seems like a reasonable way to do it and uh, I just discovered that that's how Wikipedia does it too so that's great 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 uh, I want to mention one fun fact about this which is this was an extremely expensive pilot episode to make and when HBO saw it they said this is not good and they reshot ninety percent of it apparently. So I wonder what they kept of that original pilot because I was watching. I was thinking about that as I rewatched this first episode. I would kind of love to see that first pilot that they made because it must be fascinating to compare uh, between the very first one and what eventually wound up on air. Yeah, I wonder if that might. I mean, they changed actors and stuff, so maybe not. But um, <laughs> but apparently uh, Sansa's scenes with with Catelyn were reused but they had to use the reverse images because they changed catlin actresses from the pilot oh Um, and the uh and the 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 horse going through the woods was retained but the close-ups of who was riding it that guy was a different actor 
apparently the feast at Winterfell and Ned and Robert down in the crypt. Um, but uh, very little else, according to the Wikipedia page, remains wow. from that uh, original pilot episode. But yeah, it would be cool to see that sometime in compare and contrast. Um, but we know what all what all happens everywhere. I guess we should start at the beginning. Uh, the the this show starts pre credits sequence beyond the wall where the night's watch is they go through the tunnel to the other side and they're looking for wildlings and they find like a or one of them finds like a pit with body parts and stuff and it's super creepy and he goes back and says ah it's scary and they're like ah you're dumb and they go and there's nothing there (gasps) and then i forgot how dark this series opened because i remember it being creepy and scary and a little zombie because of the white walkers but oh my god that layout of all the bodies that are all desecrated and dead and everything that was really upsetting and do we ever learn why they're laid out in like a mystic sigil pattern we see that symbol again later i think it's on like the ice lake i think we maybe see it when the when in that episode where um where they follow bran and hodor and hodor ends up holding the door i think we see them form that so it seems like that is like the symbol of the white walkers it it, i don't know if we know why but it has recurred since then and it's always in conjunction with them i don't know uh it is creepy I mean, brian then the books the books start this way too and one of the things that um i was talking to lauren about this and i said you know it's cool that in the very first scene of the very first episode they say there are really creepy supernatural monsters and they're a threat from the beginning and then they like kind of don't talk about them again for a long time and she says yeah and you forget about them i said yeah but the idea is that when they come back you're like oh yeah right if you are lucky enough to remember that far but i like that they lay lay that card down right at the beginning it feels a little like what lost wanted to do with the polar bear which is you know put out something weird in the pilot and then explain it later on except in lost people kept demanding an explanation over and over again to where it became like the symbol of why won't you explain stuff and (laughs) i i don't know about you guys but i watched this whole thing thinking uh, this is a show that knows what's happening for the next five seasons uh, because <laughs> yes. of the book material and how yeah. that doesn't usually happen on television and how you can tell going back and watching it like, that, you know, at the time you don't know where it's going unless you've read the books. But now looking at it, I'm like, yeah, they know they know where these characters are going to end up at the end of the season, but they know where they're going to end up in three years and four years. And it's that's good. That's really good. Most TV shows don't have that luxury. There's a ton of foreshadowing that I missed the first time I watched it, because here we are now, you know, years later, I can see, oh, they're really hyping up these dragon eggs, aren't they? Oh, they're really hyping up this uh, Jon Snow lineage, aren't they? Like, there's a ton of stuff there that you really don't pick up until you've seen the entire mm-hmm. rest of the show that they made, you know, five, six years later. I, I thought there were two instances of foreshadowing that were pretty, that were a little over the top. And one of them was the Jon Snow thing. Like, w- whenever you have someone, I guess this is a, uh, this might be an episode two. I think, but, I think there's more of it in episode two. So maybe we yeah, should say that right. for, the, for the next episode. But yes, yeah, there, definitely. Are, there are definitely, um, I guess the big reveal in episode one, if there's a big reveal, is at the very end, is that uh, is that Cersei and Jamie are not just brother and sister, but also sexual partners. Uh, and uh, that's a discovery made by Bran, who is then, of course, pushed to his death, question mark? We don't know. Well, he and that, gets for spying. 
Yeah, that's right, little little climbing spy guy. Uh, <laughs> by the way, we we said we know what happened, so yeah, he's not actually dead. But the episode exactly. wants, us to, wants us to think that he might be. Um, I forgot how yeah. long he was. Like, this is such a huge plot point of the first half of the first season. Is that you know this terrible thing happened? But I really loved watching him, you know, running around and climbing and things for you know the first episode. It was really pleasant because I was, oh yeah, this kid yeah. had a normal life before Game of Thrones <laughs> happened to him. But because they wanted to have the him getting pushed out a window close out the pilot with a shock i don't feel like we really get enough of bran the climber which is supposed to be a big thing like oh this kid loved climbing he climbed all day he really liked having legs this kid what a leg having kid (laughs) (laughs) nobody if you think of a kid and you think who had legs you would think bran first right you're supposed to yeah. I feel that, Monty, but given how little they can give each of the characters, because there's you no know, 20, 30 different characters, they gave all of Bran's uh, time having legs, you know? Yeah, yeah I but... mean, he does spend the whole scene, cli- we see him like <laughs> climbing around all over the place, and followed by the obligatory, get down from there kind of thing. Uh, you can so... fall, you'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> yeah. It's not my fault Rickon is so boring, he never gets anything to say in the entire series. Yeah, it's not Rickon's <laughs> fault, he's little, he doesn't, he doesn't know. He's just and a little know, baby. And you know, here in the first episode, I'm not sure... There's too many mid-range tall sons with dark hair mm-hmm. even now knowing who all of them are i find myself looking at rob and going which one are you rob looks different in every scene yeah like the lighting and his beard and his hair they all look different it made no sense to me i know who john snow is except when he's shaved and i know who theon <laughs> well, is but the but- shaving is confusing for rob especially right because that that's the one that gets me it's like oh now who who is this oh it's rob but now he doesn't have the yeah. yeah facial hair it's it is that is a bold move in the middle of a show to say hey you just met all these characters with facial hair now we're shaving <laughs> yeah. them all try to figure out who is who <laughs> well, and nice while we're on now while we're on this note uh everyone looks so freaking young this was 2010 oh, 2011 yeah. and yeah. i can't believe it it's so amazing to see them this young and happy and uh you know for some of them alive i assume yeah. that that's why some of those scenes with Arya remain from the original pilot is that Maisie Williams like she must have she must have I mean we'll see in episode two but like these kids are growing up right and and to have a, a really precipitous grow up in between would be uh, super weird but well, I, I just know. watched her in Mary Shelley and she still looks about like the same person <laughs> you know she looks like the same person but but she definitely is uh, you're, they're all looking they're all looking very yeah. young here I think that shaving scene might have been there just because they were like, well, we got to put some shirtless guys in. Yeah. Maybe so. You three, stand over there. Maybe so. So, um, first thing we see in King's Landing, and also I'll I'll point out that uh, there are little super titles explaining what you're looking at for the only time in the show, I believe. Dun, dun, dun. First first time through, we'll be like, this is is King's Landing. Okay. Good. Good to know. (laughs) After this, you got to remember. And that's where um, Cersei and Jamie are. Uh, and and one of the things about this story that's really interesting is the the inciting uh, event in Game of Thrones is the death 
well, I mean, you could argue that it's the it's the rebellion, but it's really like right before the show starts is the death of John Aaron, who is the hand of the king. We see his dead body and we see um, Jamie and Cersei not particularly mourning him and basically saying, did he did he say anything? Did he squeal? And and if if somebody knew something they're they're also, you know, dead, we, we, we like we've taken care of it. So we know, OK, these people are are bad. And uh, but John Aaron, as we learn later, you know, he he w- it was indeed assassinated. And this is the thing. This thing sets off Ned coming to King's Landing. That doesn't go well. Like all these things that spiral out of this. Uh, we're, we're in the middle of a plot that's already going on and we don't even know it yet. Which is my favorite thing about how the the series starts is because we get a lot of really great scenes between um, I was about to call him Rob. What's the king's name? Um, oh, uh, 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 Robert. Rob, Robert, thank you, Rob, Robert, okay. Robert the, the one that, yeah. right, right, yeah, Robert yeah. Rathian, the one that dies x amount of episodes in. Yeah. Uh, we get a lot of really great scenes between him and Ned about uh, all the things that happened pre Game of Thrones, and this is the only series I can think of that has like this kind of history before it. The mm-hmm. only thing I can think of that's similar to it is uh, Lord of the Rings, which I know is a really trite comparison, but you have The Hobbit, you have The War of the Ring, you have all these things before Frodo comes in. This is exactly how I feel about Ned and uh, Robert. There's something to be said for the idea that you are not like so many stories are like, well, nothing happened for a very long time. And then this story happened. Right. And here. uh, Sorry, go ahead. But I have a comment to make about that. Okay, All right. I mean, here it feels like, you know, we're getting dropped in at a point that's that obviously when George R. R. Martin wants to tell this story. But there is no end to the complications that have happened and that some of those actually do directly depend on the plot. And that that does make the whole thing feel a little more real. I think that there's there's history there, some of which will be revealed uh, later and some of which is sort of stated as fact like this happened. And I, I, I. I like that we're kind of being dropped in to something where a bunch of stuff is already going on. Yeah, it goes, it's the opposite of the classical seven-sentence story structure that is used in improv and also Pixar adopted that just goes once upon a time, there was this thing and every day something happened until one day and because of that. Right. Like this, you can point to John Aaron, like you say, before that, there was the revolution where they killed the Mad King. And before mm-hmm. that, there was the, the way the Mad King took control. And before that, there was this other stuff. Like, this is a world where this sort of nonsense is always happening and will always happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I like that. And, and yes, because you could argue, especially as we've gone through the show, that really one of the interesting things about Game of Thrones is that it's kind of all about the echo of a story that isn't told, which is the glorious revolution, Robert's Rebellion, right? Which is there's an evil king in the land. He's setting people on fire. He's very bad. And a whole bunch of people who normally would be enemies come together and do things that are not supposed to be done, including somebody in the King's Guard killing the king because the king is very bad. And in the end, hooray, the 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 
a whole realm is saved and there's a new king with his beautiful queen and everything's going to be great. The end. And that is not the story of Game of Thrones, right? The story of Game of Thrones is, okay, but everything that just happened there has tremendous consequences. They're not going to stay allies. They're going to go back to being enemies. That king has his own issues and he's not going to live forever. And what happens after that? And I kind of like that all the story of Game of Thrones is basically like the fallout when the storybook ending is over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a lot of fun. I uh Robert I, I also had this thought while I was watching Robert and Ned, and I think those scenes with Mark Addy and um and uh Sean Bean are really great. I enjoy when Mark Addy shows up at at uh at uh uh Winterfell and is like, Hey, the king's here and then they they have that talk down in the cellar and all of that. Um and I think like wow, there's a there's a great fantasy drama show where Mark Addy and, and Sean Bean are trying to figure out how to hold this kingdom together for seven seasons. But uh, this is not that show, and they are both dead by the end of the season. Yeah, it's mind-boggling. I really enjoy it, because the way that this show works, and the reason that you can have all these things happen before the show, is because you focus on the characters and how they feel about everything. So, the scene between uh, Robert and Ned in the crypt, and the uh, my, my favorite thing about this episode is, it, it's a little silly, but the um, uh, Catelyn's over one shoulder, and the steward is over another shoulder, and you see Ned freaking out, like, what should I do? Oh, yeah. Should I go to King's Landing? Should I do this thing? This all works because of Ned, and because of the Starks, which is why I, I think I've said this on the show before. I think the first season overall is my favorite season of Game of Thrones because it's so tight and focuses on such uh, great characters very consistently throughout the show. And Ned is loyal and unselfish to a fault, and it gets him killed, right? Like everybody else, and he even knows. Like when he hears that John Aaron is dead, he's he's upset because John Aaron was like a father to him, but. He's also upset because he knows what's coming next, and he knows he has to say yes, even though he doesn't, but he he feels like he has to say yes to Robert and go to King's Landing when he doesn't want to go there. It's a bad place, right? He's in the North. Things are better in the North. He knows his place in the North. And, uh, he, you know, it's obvious that this is going to be bad, and yet um, he is too duty-bound to do anything but agree. It's like a slow motion car crash happening. Well, I don't think he really commits until he finds out that John Aaron has been killed. Well, that that I think he's gonna. Well, yeah, maybe he's toying with the idea of. He of, probably would of, have of anyway, saying anything. I think he would have. But yeah, once once that happens, then there's a plot right going on, and 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 that means the the king is probably in danger, and it is he does have some ownership in this in this rebellion, right? To to see what happens and to protect the king. Exactly. And that's why, you know, he does it is for the king, not for himself, not for the family. Yeah, I'd say for the kingdom. Yeah, sure. But it's mostly for Robert and to protect him. Yeah, I enjoy their bond. I Like I said, I love the scenes that they have together. And there are so few of them in, in the series, as it turns out. But you can you do get the sense that these guys are old, uh, you know, old warriors that they they are uh, they, they fought a war together. And they they uh, now he's, you know, he's come back to the north to say, I need you now. I need you to we, join me again. Because we've got to, you know, I, I need your help to run the kingdom. I'm sure you had this too. As I was watching, I thought, okay, you're dead. You're dead. Mm-hmm. You two never see each other again. Oh, you man. die. And that, oh, it's Ugh. so miserable. <laughs> it just, I was laughing during the, the credits of like, yeah. dead, dead, dead. Oh, there's somebody who's alive. There's <laughs> dead, 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 dead. Yeah. 
just when the Lannisters roll in, you're like, wow, that's like half the cast and they're all on the same set. Yeah. And then I get distracted by like making fun of the Hound's stupid helmet. <laughs> I would expect nothing less from you, Monty. It's there's, a dumb helmet. Yeah, it is. There's a little. They make him wear it. He doesn't like it. But they make him right. wear it. It's yeah. Well, I I am struck by things like oh, the Lannister siblings have all survived to the last season. Uh, I mean, I imagine there'll be a huge body count in the uh, final season of Game of Thrones. But <laughs> I consider it a victory if you made it to the last season. Right? You don't oh, have yeah. to make it to the end of the show, but you got to make it to the last season. And they all did. The Hound did, although we were faked out for a while because he went away. The Hound and uh, and Arya have a little. Uh, there, there's a little like uh, does he does he scare you kind of thing that happens. I'm like he'll see him again right <laughs> that's going on there it is surprising how many characters though are like oh no these people don't make it out it's Mm-mm. and then some of them i'm going to speak specifically of joffrey you're like oh right we got to deal with this kid again oh yeah oh, <laughs> oh yeah. that was such a bummer to see him alive again oh yeah i, know, we, right? I, booed, I booed when he appeared <laughs> i was like boo boo it's joffrey he's so bad he's so obviously so terrible from the very beginning <laughs> It's, that kid is a, that kid is great. Whoever cast that kid, like uh, he is just to, you, you hate him to look at him. I feel bad for the kid, although he's apparently kind of cool. He's kind of a cool guy, but yeah. and he knows that everybody loves to hate Joffrey, and it's like it's really well done because he is exactly what that character should be like and act like and look like. And oh, but yeah, I'm, this guy. It's surprising that he is in Batman Begins as just a I normal, know, right? <laughs> yeah, he, right at the end, he's like oh, Batman and. <laughs> <laughs> i think one of the smartest Ooh. things that this show ever did was introduce joffrey in one of his first scenes by having Tyrion slap him and verbally abuse him oh, yeah. and i think it was excellent to see him like they're setting the stage for how you're supposed to feel about this character and also how you're supposed to be on Tyrion's side because he's the only level-headed person that's willing to put up with everyone else's bs I mean, we also were meeting Tyrion and seeing him just slap his nephew around, (laughs) to be fair. (laughs) But yeah, the only two two notes we get on Tyrion early are slaps a kid and loves whores. Yes. And drinks a lot. (laughs) Drinks a lot, loves whores, and slaps a kid. Although... I my favorite thing in well okay my favorite thing in the scene where Tyrion slaps Joffrey is Tyrion slapping Joffrey my second favorite thing in that scene is that when it's done the hound looks at him and says he's gonna remember that you know he says oh he better remember it I'm trying to teach him here and I'm thinking that's not what he means dude he means that guy's gonna be the king and he's gonna remember you slapping him around as a kid and you know how that kid is he's not gonna get better like this is one of those things where Tyrion's like trying to educate him but all it's gonna do is make him an enemy and and the, the hound is not wrong yep you got one of those telltale banners in the corner joffrey will remember this yeah it's not it's not good i i should uh wind back a little to say that one of the early things that happens in the north is of course they find the dead direwolf after they execute the guy who is fled because um he says i know i should have actually told people that i saw white walkers instead of just running away but i just wanted to run away so they they chop his head off um and then they find uh, direwolf uh puppies uh, a dead direwolf and a dead stag the sign of robert yeah. baratheon uh and a dead direwolf the sign of the starks hmm but the they get the little direwolf puppies for who are not very little for very long uh for all the kids including a little white one for Jon snow Ah. I don't think the direwolves work on the show. Interesting. Because they couldn't afford to have them around as often as they are supposed to be. So later on, we are told in the books, 
ghost is always with Jon Snow. But they can't well, afford that much CGI <laughs> direwolf. Yeah. Go- he, ghost yes. shows up every third episode here, when he is needed. Here they use husk, like husky puppies, and then they use full-grown huskies for the puppy state after this in, in subsequent episodes, at which point they are like, well, now they have to be off screen mostly because they're enormous CGI wolves. Yeah. So you don't see them enough. I would be hard pressed to name all of them, even though they are a huge plot point. Yeah, I mean, I we see Ghost to... a bit, which is John's, right? But I know Ghost, Nymeria, Lady, and Shaggy Dog. Right. I assume there's another <laughs> That's one. That's more than me. <laughs> there, well, who's who's Brands? No idea. Or Rob? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brand Brand in the books, Brand connects. You know, Brand basically wargs into his direwolf and john can do that too right and it's connected to ghost but yeah that that all that a lot of that stuff just gets left by i think in part because they can't afford to have them well also that's just part of the trimming of there's so much material in the books you eventually have to say well this assassin subplot is super fun but (laughs) nobody cares cut yeah (laughs) just stop talking about it yep yep uh so yeah so the the letter arrives uh john aaron is dead the king is coming we know what that means uh ned's uh, wife cat catlin is uh unhappy about this she's unhappy about a lot of things in this episode in fact this is one of the things that i'd kind of forgotten because i view cat with such a kind of rosy uh rosy view of like oh it's too bad she died at the red wedding she was great and she is great but in the pilot her purpose is basically to to be awful to Jon Snow so that he leaves. And uh, that's what we see is she's kind of awful. I mean, not she's like passive aggressively awful, right? She she doesn't want him around. And he's super uncomfortable. And apparently it's been like this his entire life. And so he's like, get me out of here. I'll go to the wall. I want to be out of here. And that was, uh, I had forgotten quite how, how that dynamic had played out. But they got to get Jon Snow out of there. Speaking of Jon Snow, his relationship with all the other Stark siblings was another treat that you never really get to see any other time in the season. I really enjoyed yeah. that kind of like, oh, you're a bastard. Ha 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 ha. Like those kind mm-hmm. of not, not outwardly mean moments, but they're still kind of like, oh, well, you know, you're an outsider in a way. Well, and what, of course, knowing what we know about John's actual parentage it's really tough because like it, it's almost like a harry potter-esque kind of story which is he's actually the child of of uh liana stark and the prince uh targaryen he's rhaegar rhaegar yeah rhaegar yeah. yeah yeah so he he's like heir to the throne and has the most royal blood of all and is a legitimate stark and yet he, only Ned knows this and he's promised not to tell. And so he gets treated this way. And then Ned, of course, we'll talk about that in episode two, but the, <laughs> Ned, Ned leaves and never tells him. And he doesn't f- figure it out until uh, much, much later. And uh, that's rough. Like, cause he and Rob are like a, a, a pair and that's fine <laughs> and that I except can't tell them apart but yeah but rob is legitimate and john has to go to the night's watch uh which is just uh, that's, that's tough that's tough but that's there's your hero there's your heroic origin right is that he's not supposed to, he is a magical beast <laughs> but uh he he doesn't know uh you know that's kind of a classic thing um what else should we talk about uh, imagine okay imagine it is uh oh sorry continue oh no go ahead go ahead i was gonna make a really dumb joke transition into uh daenerys 
Oh yeah, well, okay. So before we uh, make a dumb joke transition, <laughs> now I do. I have to come up with a dumb joke now. I was just going to say, is there anything else we should uh, we should say? Uh, you know, the about I, about Winterfell stuff, or, or do we cover it? I think everyone looks weird shaved. Like I've okay. seen Peter Dinklage without a beard before, but as Tyrion, he looks weird not having a beard. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, uh, shall we go across the narrow sea? Imagine it is 2017 and we're doing this podcast and we have to jump around five or six different times per episode to cover everything that we need to cover. But nope, turns out tonight we only need to jump once across the narrow sea. Across the narrow sea to Pentos, where Viserys Targaryen, hey, it's Harry Lloyd. I missed Harry Lloyd. <laughs> oh, man. He, he Another spent, moment of, oh, we have to deal with him now, too? <laughs> I don't mind him, because he's going to get taken care of so quickly. Yeah. And he's even more determined to appear despicable than Joffrey. Joffrey, at least he rides on, you go, oh, the the prince, okay. Viserys, the moment you see him, he's like, yeah, I'm sa- I'm selling my sister into slavery. Let's go. Yeah. I I I think Harry Lloyd is so great at these Weasley kind of parts. He's, he plays he plays a Weasley character in Counterpart, the excellent uh, Stars series, and uh, it was always fun to see him in this. And like, oh yeah, here's Harry Lloyd. He's he's awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I kind of love it. I kind of love because he is he he represents. I mean, oh, there's so much here. Like he represents the entitlement of the Targaryens of anybody who's of royal blood. You should take care of me and he's got nothing like he's being put up by illyrio right like he he uh he they're poor and homeless essentially but illyrio thinks there's thinks there's basically money or power to be made by having the targaryen here and he like is just so entitled and awful and will do anything to get his throne <laughs> that he believes is his by birthright and so it's everything that's kind of like bad about royalty and leadership and everything like that rolled into one and of course we know that the one of the pair who is truly got leadership capability and is going to go places and be great is the sister he treats like dirt well viserys is being puffed up people are telling him things like the people drink secret toasts to your health right they cry out for their true king and we're going to learn for the most part, the people don't care who the true king is they just like to stop getting murdered in the constant wars yeah, although in an episode two, which we'll get to next time, um, there's definitely fear about that. That's something I liked about that. But yeah, you're right. Part of this is that he is being told what he wants to hear. And part of it is like Illyrio Mopatis, right? I, I, in the books, this is he's more of a character than he is in the in the uh, TV show. But the idea here is that, you know, he's just a, a, a guy who's... Uh, Viserys Targaryen is useful to him because he's like a, a useful bargaining chip because he is this heir from Westeros and he'll tell him what he wants to hear if need be. Meanwhile, exactly. Daenerys gets sold off to the horse people. Ugh, and the horse people are at their most racist presentation at the beginning of the series. Absolutely. Yep. They are savage, animalistic brown skins. And, oh, guys, come on. Yeah. They didn't need to use that kind of stuff for shorthand for what turned out to be really compelling sets of characters. They really just took these shortcuts that you don't need to take. Yeah, it does feel a little bit like, maybe this is in my memory, but it feels like the show backed away from this. Yeah, yeah. 
because because yeah the the um dothraki are are interesting and complicated but here they're just yeah they're just savages right essentially you're so, sold my my sister into the to the savage king i don't care they'll fight for me yep and now here's a shot of Khal drogo who's 12 feet tall and <laughs> muscular and he's going to be raping the virginal lily white yes oh guys yeah yeah conversely conversely there's the the way that uh the dothraki are portrayed in this first episode conversely we get the weakest daenerys that we get in the entire series and it's really upsetting to watch um she takes takes control like in episode two basically but in episode one she's just yeah it's tough and it's really upsetting to have to think that they thought it was worth putting on screen for those that extended period of time. I don't know. I really appreciate, especially in the next episode, that the seeds for her eventual like rise to power are starting to be shown. But uh, they really do start to like they start things off on the wrong foot in the Dothraki yeah. area. Yeah. Daenerys has to do a lot more nudity than the other female leads of the show, too. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Absolutely. Interesting things in these scenes. First off, she's given a gift of dragon eggs. Ooh. Hmm. That's like I, it's not not the, important. It's not relevant. You gotta wonder if that's gonna pay the off. The camera's not gonna linger on those eggs or anything. That's fine. <laughs> I completely forgot about the uh, uh, about her brother's like uh, Dothraki translator person with the uh, fancy beard and mustache uh, who was describing oh the this the uh, what was the line the uh, the ages of the ages have turned them to stone, but they will always be beautiful. And I imagine, like, if this were a video game and you clicked on the dragon eggs in your inventory, you would hear him always say, they'll always be beautiful in the description. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved, love that character that we only see for, like, a few episodes. Um, and Jorah, uh, speaking of people who are kind of hard to believe, still alive. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I, I, I really like his character because he is the... When you're when you're in across the narrow sea, when you when you're in in Pentos uh, or other places out over there in the, the east, uh, when you see somebody who is a Westerosi person, um, you know it's like, oh, well, why are they there? Like we know why the Targaryens are there. Like why is he here? And it's like, well, he's he he's not allowed to go back. He's he he's on the run, but he is loyal to them. And you know, here it is. He's he's serving the Targaryens even now and he will continue to do so basically throughout the show so it was it was fun to see Jorah introduced right here is it in this episode where Daenerys takes a bath that should be too hot for normal people yes I think it is at the end of this episode and 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 that was a great moment of knowledge right of like haha she is never too hot for Daenerys (laughs) I did not notice that the first time and I I loved loved that Yeah, <laughs> it's a very specific superpower, but it will pay off several times. Uh-huh. <laughs> t- turns out anything else we should mention about this episode? I enjoyed watching it. It is a fascinating document of where the show started. Um, I think a little less weird as an outlier because they reshot so much of it. But um, it's still, you know, it's a pilot and uh uh, at least they know where they're going. So the, it's not like, well, let's write a pilot and then we'll see if it gets picked up. We'll figure out the story because it's not that. 
Um, but you know, I think I think it looks great. I think it, it's no wonder that people watch this episode and be like, okay, let's watch this show, right? Yeah, exactly. This is a pilot, so they have so much extra legwork to do to introduce all these characters that the entire rest of the show can pick up on this one episode's work and just expand on these characters that we've seen. My favorite thing, the very first time I watched this back in like 2011 or 12, I remember all of the like passing glances between characters in Winterfell and King's Landing and how much they established characters without any dialogue. They had to be so, so economical about all the dialogue in this episode because it's only an hour and they introduce tons of characters. So I think this is, they did so much legwork to make sure that the rest of the show was watchable and I think it pays off. Yeah, like uh, a brief shot of Arya and Sansa right at the beginning doing embroidery. Sansa enjoys it, Arya does not. A couple minutes later, Arya is shooting a bow. You're like, all right, got it. Got it. the psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. It's good. And she and, and the other one wants to be the pretty, pretty princess. And yep. Uh, yep got it. Check. That's when helpful. I was making notes for this watching, um, right at the beginning, I said about those uh, guys who were in the Night's Watch and are about to get killed. I wrote down, I wonder if they think the show's going to be about them. <laughs> and then I realized I probably had made that same joke the first time I watched it. <laughs> and I made a very similar joke the first time I watched it. One of those guys is the, the, the guy who's kind of a jerk and he's like, oh, you didn't see anything. We'll just go back there. And I thought, wow, this guy's a real jerk. And it's like they wasted him. He's like immediately slaughtered. And I thought, no, that, that guy should have been like an antagonist in the Night's Watch for episode after episode of like, oh, he, he hates everything. He does everything wrong. But instead, he's he's slaughtered immediately yeah. so oh well maybe the show is all about them in that they have now been reanimated and are marching through uh to attack people that's can how I, season eight's gonna end yeah mm-hmm. it's those, they're gonna it's be those, the ultimate villain it's those guys those two guys can i say if people are really curious about what i thought when this first aired uh you can do some work and hunt down the television without pity recaps which are still sort of available on the internet are they in a, yeah. are they in a cache somewhere uh, if you go to brilliantbutcancelled.com slash shows and dig around in there, you can find the Game of Thrones recaps where I recapped the first three uh, seasons. And if you'd like 10,000 words from me about this episode alone, that's where it is. Wow. Whoa. That is out of control. All right. Um, well, okay, we're going to wrap up. Winter is coming, but fear not, because what follows a pilot a second episode so we'll be back to talk about season one episode two at a later time but for now i want to thank monty and brian thanks guys there's no word for thank you in dothraki jason i thought winter came already well it's these things are cyclical it'll be it'll be back and so will we thanks for listening everybody everybody